How you doing? It is L.A. Lloyd, and today is the first time to have White Reaper co-host The Rock 30. Going to be hanging out with the guys for the next three hours, get to know them a little bit better, get to play some of their uh, new music. So first of all, introduce yourself, and uh, pleased to have you here. This is Hunter Thompson. I play the guitar in the band. And this is Sam Wilkerson. I play the bass. Definitely glad to have you here. And, of course, we're recording the show on Valentine's Day uh, at the historic Scoot Inn in Austin. Now, you guys played Austin City Limits Music Festival 2021, I think it was? I think so. So, obviously, not your first time in Austin. You've been here and done the city many different incarnations. So, um, what's your feelings on Austin? I mean, it's obviously a little different vibe than the the big festival environment tonight, but uh, you own the show tonight, so it's a little different, I guess, right? I met the band in Austin, so it's kind of a little bit of a reunion place for us. Wow, I didn't know that. I went to school here and um, met these guys through Southwest and, like, 2015 and then joined the band in 2016 the following year they stayed at my house and uh at the end of it they invited me into the uh to the family so we love austin and it's always fun to to be back the weather tonight is amazing and i'm happy about that well i guess what i'm learning here is if you can house sit and get the band in, you might have a shot at being in a band right you might you might (laughs) this was a rare circumstance though i think (laughs) looks like it worked out okay for you though yeah not bad well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the latest album. Obviously, uh, you guys have been busting your ass before the pandemic hit. You were touring hard, you're playing hard, and then, you know, everything comes to a stop, not just for bands, but life in general. So this full-on momentum you had literally came crashing down. So during that time when you were sitting there and, and trying not to get bummed out or depressed about not touring, I mean, what did you do to keep looking forward to get that momentum back? We ended up meeting together a bunch of times in the heat of the pandemic at a few different Airbnbs and whatnot, just getting together and recording and writing some stuff with each other. So uh, we didn't spend too much time away from each other, which was nice. And uh, yeah, we just kind of fleshed out a bunch of joke songs and a bunch of, a few good good songs <laughs> through the process. Yeah. We made a lot of different music, um, a lot of different ways over the, the course of that, you know, two or three years. Um, you know, we wrote over Zoom, we met up at Airbnbs, and yeah, there was kind of just a massive collection of songs by the end of it. And by the time we were kind of through with all that stuff, we we realized we needed an, an infusion of some new material that maybe would get us excited because we'd been sitting with kind of the same stuff for a while. And in the end, we ended up writing about half the record in kind of a span of a couple months and recording it and rehearsing it and all this stuff. So it was, you know, we, we, we I think, all entertained ourselves in certain ways. You know, Sam camped a bunch. I played a ton of guitar and fished and stuff like that. Nice. So, you know, we all had our little ways of coping, but it's definitely nice to kind of be back to normal life again. Well, I know you must be uh, must have been optimistic when you guys were recording some stuff or working together on Zoom. And then, as you said, the songs just weren't really going the way that you wanted them to. I mean, did you I almost feel like you kind of had a little bit of a sinking feeling? It's like, damn, man, you know, we've been working hard and trying to make the best of a bad situation, but it's just not working. So how were you starting to feel personally this time? Were you getting a little down or depressed? I think there was definitely a period of kind of some darkness in all of us. Uh, You know, I think it felt kind of isolating and it also felt like we were just banging our heads against the wall and nothing was coming out. And I think we were kind of overthinking stuff in a lot of ways. I think we were over touching songs, trying to, you know, we had so much time that it allowed us to really, you know, obsess over minutia. And it kind of turns out that we operate best whenever we can just be excited and have fun and laugh and, you know, write songs that entertain us. And 
you know, the magic of music can be lost pretty quickly once you start to obsess over it. And so I think through kind of that tormented time, we, we figured out that we work best quickly um, and, you know, based on energy. And if it doesn't feel good whenever we all five play it together, then it's probably not worth pursuing much longer. Um, but, you know, definitely in that journey, there was some moments of, you know, frustration and disappointment and confusion. But I think it ultimately yielded a... Uh, a lot of lessons is kind of like the the retrospective of it, which I think we're all grateful for. Do you uh, feel like you were a, a band that, you know, even before you kind of got pushed into overthinking or overanalyzing, had you done that on your previous albums or you just kind of went into those like, yeah, this is this feels right and didn't have to overthink it and retweak and tweak and tweak, I guess. I think that the overthinking comes with age because when you're young, you're just like, I mean, Tony wrote a lot of the first few records and more recently it's more collaborative right so with age it's like you're a little more trepidatious is that the word <laughs> i like that that's right yeah <laughs> yes you're a little more scared about what other people think it's weird when you're young you don't really care and then when you get older it's like uh overthink overthink yeah, yeah and you know more eyes are on you and i think it just becomes this it's kind of a i don't know a, a self-inflicted pressure in a lot of ways but i think yeah there's there's some realization that that doesn't make good music you know you just got to kind of do what you want to do and not care too much what other people are going to think as long as we like it it's really all that kind of matters yeah. well the good news i read about uh jeremy ferguson uh, an engineer friend of yours uh you know you you spent some time with him in nashville did you feel an immediate uh, change in the room of the energy just being with him i mean you've obviously you kind of gone through some producers and it just didn't work out you're yeah. with jeremy and and why did you think things just really started getting better you know we're a pretty uh peculiar group of guys you know we have a very insulated sense of humor we've all spent so many hours together that we kind of speak in our own weird language and i think it can be kind of hard for people to kind of infiltrate it especially real show busy pro music people because right. they're you know there's a lot of high faluting artistry or at least it's perceived that way yeah and we just aren't that group of people especially when we're all together and jeremy i think just can appreciate that and get, got us and kind of just knew what we wanted we actually worked with him on a metallica cover that we did for the black album tribute and yeah. we did sad but true with him and it was kind of more of a logistics thing we knew him some of our friends had worked with him and we just got along with him really well and you know we we made him laugh he made us laugh and that was a pretty massive criteria he's also an incredible engineer um, but I think, you know, just like feeling good in the room and feeling comfortable and like it's you're, you know, you're being yourself and you don't have to like, you know, like that he could just communicate with us on our level and just kind of become one of us. It was a massive asset to it being rewarding and fun. Well, I'm glad you brought up that Metallica track that you covered because I've always been interested. Uh, did, do you get to pick the song or did they say you have it or what's kind of the process of first of all, getting involved and second of all, getting to do the song you want? Yeah, I don't know. Our our managers brought it to us. You know that we had been kind of on a Metallica kick at that time. Yeah. Um, Tony's a massive Metallica fan. He kind of brought us all into the fold, and we were listening to that. And then it just kind of like you know the opportunity arose. They just reached out and said we're having people do covers for the Black Album, and you can pick anything you want to do. You know, there's a lot of like repeat songs on the record. Yeah. Right. Like okay. We thought there was going to be like one band per song, but it's like, no, there's 10 Enter Sandmans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're all very different. One of them is in Spanish. We were considering either Sad But True or Holier Than Thou, and we went with Sad But True. But Well, now that you're on a, a headlining tour and you got a little more time for songs, do you ever throw that one in there live at all? No, we don't. Uh, we have kind of our own little 
thrash song that we play now, which is very, really fun to add to the set. I think we'll probably open with it tonight, but uh, I don't know if we'll bust out any Metallica covers just yet. I have seen someone cover Metallica at this venue, as a matter of fact. Really? Mac DeMarco did like a 20-minute version of Inter Sandman. <laughs> That's it awesome. was hilarious. The new album, Asking for a Ride, uh, you, you guys in the band have kind of described it as uh, our most unique record, and I think we've kind of set up a little bit of that statement. They were just talking about how things went well for Jeremy, but uh, you know, comparing it to the others, why would you say this is more unique than the, the previous? A good buddy of ours told us that it's like the softest and hardest record we've put mm. out, and I agree. I think there's really high highs and then like, you know, softer lows, and there's some chiller tracks and then some some thrash songs. Right. It's just like kind of an example of the stuff we listen to. We listen to a lot of thrash and we listen to like pop and slower stuff. It's just kind of like a cool mesh of our of our tastes. With that said, I mean, I, that's really a lot of diversity there. Um, what do you try to do to, to stay away from a really polished album? Because, you know, sometimes a really polished album can be great. I mean, it has everything perfect, but sometimes maybe it feels like you lose a little bit of that organic feeling that you guys probably do when you're doing the demos, I guess. I think we learned on our last record, uh, You Deserve Love, you know, we, we recorded with this guy named Jay Joyce. And at the time, you know, there was there's always just tensions in the studio. And I think we were kind of like, we were new to like even working with the producer, I guess. And like, you know, we were all pretty green. But I think he kind of drilled into us the value of getting a really good live take right. for the record and getting the energy there. And I think we learned through capturing that and hearing the differences of a good take versus a bad take and one where we all felt excited. Um, just how like impactful that, that is and how much that comes across and not trying to dull it up too much. You know, if we can't, we also realized that if we can't make and recreate the songs live with just five of us, you know, we don't use tracks or anything, mm -hmm. then maybe the song isn't that strong and we're augmenting it too much. So I think that kind of ethos in writing this time around was, you know, extremely, you know, forefront in our consideration. And so with that in mind, I think it's, you know, it just comes across as raw because we're not dolling it up with a bunch of tracks and a bunch of excess stuff that we can't do live. And so, you know, it's a pretty, they're pretty simple mixes. Ultimately, there's not that many things going on, maybe like double guitars and stuff like that, but there's not, you know, a whole host of crazy sounds happening on any of them so i think that yeah. helps we wanted to be able to play everything that's recorded as as it is on the album live so that's that's how this one isn't as polished i would say well that leads me into my next question because uh you kicked off the, your headlining tour on february 7th um do you feel like this is really the first tour you've been able to kind of showcase the diversity of the band because i mean you've You've opened for Weezer and Pearl Jam and been the support act, but here you are, you get, you know, the time you want, the set list you want. Do you feel like this is kind of the first time you really got out there and said, hey, guys, this is, this kind of encompasses everything we've built up to this point to? Totally. I think, I think this is a really fun set, and I think we're all very excited on it. It kind of, I think, scratches every itch. I don't know what you think, Sam, but. Yeah. The other day we were like, well, this is this feels weird to have this much room on the stage because usually we're set up in front of like two other drum kits. Right. So this was, it's kind of surreal, honestly. It's amazing. So uh, is it pretty much same set list? Or are you changing it up every night? Or what, what was We've it difficult to kind of come up? Because I mean, it's like now we got this empty palette, if you will, just to have at it. You know. We've got a ton of songs, and so you know. We've got our favorites to play live and the ones that we think, you know, feel the best. And that's not always, you know, I guess every fan's first choice. I mean, everybody's got different preferences, but we play the stuff that we think we can really sell live. 
and that we have the most fun playing. And there's, you know, I mean, who knows, 30 songs we could do in that vein um, plus extras. And so we kind of we, we change stuff out most nights and kind of flip things around. But we've got a pretty good core that we like to, you know, right. kind of run through. But, yeah, there's definitely some audibles um, that we'll, they'll throw in there just to kind of keep it interesting for us. Yeah. We've been doing some covers and whatnot. I know it's still early on the tour, but are you seeing reaction to some songs completely different, say from Houston to Austin or wherever the next city may be that you've just played at recently? Mm, I don't know about different songs. I think, you know, I've been surprised that some of our newer stuff has been received so well and that we've got a lot of fans from this record already that are like singing the words, um, you know, I guess more enthusiastically than some of the old songs that are like staples to our set. And it's really gratifying and exciting to see that yeah it's surprising that people i kind of forget that people like listen to new music and they're not wanting to listen to our old stuff all the time right it's just surprising because i i I love bands like guided by voices when i see them live i want to hear like the classics yeah yeah Yeah. but they've also been around for like a long time well that's good they're embracing the new music this early i mean i think that's great um you know going back to the producers that you know ultimately just didn't work out for you i mean was there a specific reason that, uh, that you didn't click? Was it just bad communication or they had a vision and you guys had a completely different vision? I mean, obviously, you don't want to sit here and shit on somebody. but Or do I? Or, no, well, just if you want to. Shit, I mean, yeah, I to. you got an open mic here, no, but I'm no. just, you're just kind of curious. Was it what was the ultimately you think was just the demise of it? I think there was a, a whole host of reasons. Um, I think first and foremost, the songs that we had, I don't think we were ready to record them at the time. I think that there was this kind of unfinished nature to them. I think we were trying to make them work, even though we all realized maybe they're not working live and we're not feeling that energy that we were saying is important for for us to feel if we're going to put something out and feel good about it. And I think we just weren't able to get there. And I think, you know, the producer was kind of a casualty of that feeling in a way. Yeah. I also think that, you know, their references and ours weren't the same. I don't think they totally spoke our language as we were saying Jeremy could, um, you know, as an engineer. And I think, you know, we are pretty all, you know, we're all vocal about what we want. And so there's five opinions at all time. There's no shortage of ideas or thoughts of what could happen. And so to have somebody come in that is really external to our process and, you know, foreign to us and not like in our family, I think it can feel like you know, what's what's the value here unless you are kind of one of us in a way. Yeah, and it, a lot of that does come down to just the ideas too. Like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but if there's a really good idea, we'll be open to it for totally. sure. And I think, you know, it. I would still love to find a producer that we work well with. I, I think we're all very open to that. I just don't think we've found it yet. Um, but, you know, it would be great to have somebody that can kind of like champion us and guide us and, and I, I think just kind of infiltrate our mind, our hive mind and you know, kind of come from the inside out and help us grow. And I feel like everybody's been a little bit externalizing so far. And that just, you know, hasn't seemed to work yet. But no shade to anybody. I think everybody does the best they can. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about Fog Machine. And, you know, best I understand, this song was kind of, the riff was there, but just wasn't the lyrics or even a chorus. So, uh, and I guess until the almost the very end, it didn't get done. But you found... Something. So what was it that clicked that uh, really kind of put that great riff together with the lyrics? Well, Tony had this riff, and I think he called me the day he wrote it, and he was like, okay, we're getting on Zoom. I'm going to show you this riff I, I made up. And, like, I was so anthony. It took me a while to learn it because it's just kind of a sick riff. But yeah. 
Um, and then we tried to write a song and just kind of try to get some parts. And we were just basically doing like kiss ripoff stuff and like it never resolved <laughs> and it just didn't work. It was cool, but it was like, I don't know what we're going to do with this. And so it sat around for a while. And then at the very end, uh, I think it was probably the last song that was finished. Tony was just like, you know, sat down and, and wrote a chorus melody, wrote a verse melody um, and, you know, simple chord structures. And then we all got in the room together and we kind of fleshed it out. And, you know, Sam put some cool bass stuff on there. I added some like different kind of extended voicings on some of the power chords that were going on. And then while we were kind of recording vocals, we just finished up lyrics really quick and, you know, maybe settled on a few of them uh, in retrospect. Uh, but I think it all came out really, really cool. Um, you know, but Tony definitely took charge on that one. And I think really had some great stuff and then you know wrote the solo in the studio and didn't you know it was just kind of always evolving until the last moment we were adding stuff to it because it just had so much potential and was so fun i think for all of us to think about and focus on well it definitely sounds like writing lyrics uh at least in your camp it can be a little bit uh tricky i mean when you guys struggle with writing lyrics do you just all collaborate together do you go off separately and try to come up with some ideas or what works the best when you're really kind of struggling with the lyrics when we recorded the world's best american band which came out i guess 2017 uh we were we wrote basically the whole thing in the studio and we had books around us and we would just pick up books and be like this says uh there was a man whatever and then we just literally took out words from books and made them the lyrics well that's interesting because you know there's been so much news lately about ai it's like well you know you right. can come up with an idea and you want to put it in the style of this artist and here's the the thought i mean is that helpful at all, or do you think that just completely takes <laughs> away from the creativity? It. I think it takes away from it a little bit. I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure there, an, a robot can write fine lyrics, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't always have the same taste of, like, does that sound cool? Yeah. Is that using imagery that we like? And I think a lot about this record and writing lyrics, you know, some of it, I think you can, you know, it's, it's pretty open-ended as to what it can mean but we like just finding phrases and things that are cool imagery to us right um, yeah and that kind of convey just like a sentiment and a feeling more than like you know it's not country music storytelling per se it's just kind of like a vibe and energy does that sound cool off the tongue stuff like that you know that's kind of our main focus and so that can be hard because when you're not necessarily telling an exact story it's kind of every line is almost its own puzzle to like make it work with the last one and continue that same I guess, vibe of the previous phrase. And I don't know if that's always the smartest thing, but, you know, sometimes we'll have a chorus hook that we'll build around. I mean, it always changes. I find that's always really helpful, you know, like in the song Pink Slip, we have Growing Up Slow as the chorus lyric, and I think things kind of were able to form around that. But, yeah, it kind of just changes, and I, a lot of times we all sit around and just say things and say words to try to find stuff until somebody's like, yep, that's the one. Yeah, I'm down for AI writing emails and not, yeah. not lyrics. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not afraid of the future, but I mean, you know, I, I look at the technology like, you know, what ABBA has done in the UK, you know, literally yeah. recreating their likeness and everything and doing a full-on concert. I mean, to me, especially like in pop, I could totally see like they're not even being real bands or performers. They're like, hey, let's just stick it up there. And I mean, what do you feel about this? I hope the music industry hadn't completely gone to I've, I've got a lot of th thoughts on it. I mean, you know, it's like, I I get it, you know, whenever you're playing to people that are maybe not, like, music isn't their language, right. and that's not what they're obsessed about, and that's not what they're educated in, it's kind of like, I'm just here to have fun, like, right. I don't really care right. about anything about this, like, because they're not, cr you're not critically analyzing it, and so that doesn't matter to them, and that, that's kind of disappointing, because I do wish that, 
maybe the the mass collective thought was uh, there was some premium placed on like the talent and the experience of the moment and not this regenerative same thing night after night guaranteed there's no errors on the field no matter what you know risk is like inherent in playing music together and i think that that is kind of lost now and that's what we try to do as a band and that's why we're pretty adamant about making sure it's just us on stage and we're not augmenting it with all these other yeah. things that can cushion it but it also you know it can be hard to not compare yourself whenever you do hear the perfection in the bottle of other people at like a festival stage or something and then you know that the fans are not discerning the difference or the value in right. the difference right. and they're just like oh you guys are just worse i guess and it's like well, no it's just actually us and yeah. i'd be curious to hear just them too you yeah know? but one of my favorite parts of live shows is seeing a band make a mistake and then they look at each other and laugh that's like the most human thing yeah. of all time and it's like just fun it's like oh you messed up that's a great point like that's i love it so point. much yeah well uh fog machine the video you work with uh, with uh, max Moore on that um do you like doing videos do you still feel like they're important i mean obviously it's a great way to brand the video and people are literally looking at them on their phone not a huge you know, 80 inch TV. So, yeah. but with that said, how much effort do you want to put into it? I mean, you know, it's really fun whenever the video comes out cool and we're excited about it. Yeah. Whenever it comes out and we're like, that, uh, you know, you're like, why are we doing this? Uh, but <laughs> I think with the, with the fog machine video, we were all excited about it and it felt like we actually had a concept. I, none of us are, you know, super cinema what is it cinema cinematographers cinema 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 men cinematic cinematic none of us are very cinematic um so that's not you know our natural i guess thought process whenever we're writing music it's like how can we visualize this mm -hmm. um but whenever it works out it's i think it's really fun and gratifying and and it's like a cool it's just a cool thing to have is like almost something to reflect back on is the way i look at right, it it's like right. that was a moment in time that captured where we were and there's like a lot of memories personally that we can draw from it i think in the future and that is cool to me yeah all right well let's close it out and uh each one of you guys give me another uh track from the latest album we can play and uh tell me why you chose it. i'm gonna choose hmm pink slip because that song has had the, one of the best reactions out of all the new songs right. on this tour uh i really love the chorus it's one of the catchiest songs and the people are gonna love it <laughs> all right I'm going to go with Bozo. Um, that it's one, I think, I gave a lot of infusion to kind of the second half of this record. Um, and it was really fun and easy to write, which is kind of a good mark of a song. Um, and it just kind of clicked immediately when we all played it together. And I think it's just got a, a good energy and a cool, cool vibe. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I've enjoyed meeting you today, and best of luck on this tour and the new Same. album. It's Sam and Hunter and uh, White Reaper, and check them out when they come through your city. Appreciate you being on the show, guys. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you, Lloyd.